do you follow that? Cuteness, so good. Thanks for joining in. Your blood is flowing right now. It's great. You're not going to fall asleep for the rest of the service. <laughs> hey, you know, it was a little bit brighter on the stage this morning. It's not because we had more lights. Our worship leader, Ellen, got engaged last Sunday. Do the walk, do the walk down the aisle, practicing for next year. Her fiance, George, is sitting with you here in the front row. All the ladies, it's like the five golden rings, like she was feeling it, <laughs> feeling it this morning. It's perfect. <laughs> um, just a great reminder for us, uh, having our city kids on the stage as we move to three services coming up in January 7th, 8.30, 10, 15, 12 noon. We're going to make a slight adjustment uh, for our program in City Kids. Our City Kids program is going to start right away at the hour. Our services are going to be slightly shorter, um, and we have been kind of accommodating for latecomers. We're not going to do that anymore just to let you know that our services in City Kids are going to start right away. We have a great curriculum that we run in City Kids to teach your kids about the scripture, teach your kids about Jesus. And so we're going to start that right away. One of the things that we're going to do to make it easier for you to be on time and get your kids checked in, all of the check-in stations are going to move to the lobby so you can get yourself checked in ahead of time. As soon as the doors open up, you're able to get your kids uh, to their classroom for class and curriculum to start right on time. Now, again, we have new service times, so we're all, everybody's going to have to adjust from the 9 and 11. And, uh, you know, just here's how to help you to be on time if you're late, to start 10, 15 minutes earlier, okay? I know this is not rocket science. And there is absolutely no way that anybody should be late for the noon service. <laughs> like, I'm not even kidding. Like, if you can't be somewhere on time for noon... I mean, even you go to bed at midnight, you get eight hours of sleep, you're up at eight. That's four hours, bro. <laughs> get ready and be on time. I love you all. <laughs> One of the things that we love to do here as a church is we love to celebrate generosity. And you know, you are a very generous church, so it enables us to do a great many things um, in our city. Um, in the nation to be a blessing. One of the things that we do um, is a little while ago, our, one of, we have a serve team. One of our teams specifically goes out and serves um, in our community. A little while ago, they went to Eden Food for Change. And with that, uh, we took a donation of over $2,000 to be able to feed people um, in our postal code, which is great news, something awesome for us to do. And they prepared food. And this past weekend, our team also went to Regeneration Outreach in Brampton, which is like their soup kitchen. And our team served over 180 people a Christmas meal <laughs> yesterday. So that is exciting for us to do. And, and, and I want to make mention of these that uh, throughout the year, and we're, we're going to send out a newsletter in a little while, let you know all of the things um, related to generosity that we have done as a church, but we've given to a few different churches in Winnipeg and Toronto that are in building programs, and then also Avant Life Church, which is a pastor friend of mine that they're getting ready to start another location in the Vancouver area, and then they're vetting out a spot to plant a church in the Toronto area. So we are going to be able to help them to do that, so we've given them some resources to do that, and then this month we've also given to 
one of our partners, World Vision, um, we've met with some of their representatives not too long ago, and they let us know some of the things that they're doing. So we gave over $2,000 to their clean water fund. And just based on their website, I'm going to get some more details about it. Thousands of people will have access to fresh drinking water because of your giving. So that's amazing. You know, we take fresh, uh, clean water for granted in a lot of developing nations around the world. People are suffering from sickness and disease because of what's in the water. So because of World Vision's activities and your giving, uh, they are going to be able to have some fresh drinking water. Also, um, recently I became, um, this is not a big deal necessarily, I became a board member of Emmanuel Bible College, which is helping train up the next generation of pastors and leaders in our province. And then we gave some money to be able to them. They are in a college revitalization program right now. And so they're doing a bunch of great things. Uh, Pastor Brandon and Emma, who have been here from Slate Church, which is now Base Church, uh, they are uh, have the executive leadership over the Bible College that so we invested into them. And then Nicole and I are hoping at some point... Um, at Emmanuel to help go train up some pastors. So we also gave to them as they continue to do great things there in the Waterloo region. But again, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Some of the things that we're doing with generosity here at the City Church, we will send out a newsletter that will let you know all of those things. All right, so we are uh, finishing off our Christmas in the City series today. We're moving into Christmas Eve next week. Um, But so far, we've just looked at this proclamation of joy. We've talked about the Prince of Peace last week. And what we want to do is we want to look at the Christmas story and realize that it's not just a story, a narrative, but out of the narrative that there's things that are teaching us about God and why Jesus came. Because the things of Christmas time... um, We have traditions and things that we do and nativity scenes and all of this stuff, but sometimes in the midst of the tradition, we forget the meaning and the purpose of why God sent his son. And we're going to be talking about God with us today. We had, you know, Sharla read the verse here during worship just to remind us of the fact that God is with us and such an important message as we are in Christmas time. So let's read here part of the Christmas story or the precursor to the Christmas story found in Matthew chapter 1 verse 18. It says this, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother, Mary, had been betrothed to Joseph before They came together. She was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man, unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. So we see just two interesting things there about the quality of Jesus' parents. Mary and who she was as a woman and Joseph, who he was as a man that God chose them specifically to be part of Jesus' upbringing and how important this would be. Um, and, Joseph, uh, and her husband, Joseph, being a just man, unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But, verse 20, as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up from the sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord had commanded. He took, took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son and called his name Jesus. 
And this is the verse that Charla read here in Isaiah 7, 14. It says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And again, this word, this term, this purpose of Jesus coming is for us to know that God is with us. And how important is this notion? Because the incarnation teaches us something. That the fact that Jesus came, that he understands us, that he understands the pain involved in living in the earth, the difficulty. The scripture says that he faced all of the same temptations that we faced, yet without sin. So God truly understands us. You know, you might be going through situations sometime and, and someone will look at you and say, yeah, yeah, I know I understand. You're like, well, you don't totally understand because you haven't gone through the thing that I'm going through, but that is not true of God. That is not true of Jesus, that they truly understand our predicament. They understand what it means to be us and to face all of the same things that we are facing. And this idea, God with us, that means God with you, God for all, God to have a relationship with all this closeness, not God distant, but God close by. And this would be the same as what we would see in the garden that God came down in the garden to Adam and he walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day and he had this close relationship because it's so important to know our our conception of God. Who is God? Is God based on the revelation of what we're seeing in the scripture or am I making up a version of God? And then the version of God that I made up, I'm mad at that version because he should do the things that I should that he should do. God, I think you should do this and you're not doing it. And so I'm mad at you. But we need to have an understanding of who God is from the scripture so that we can know truly who he is. Psalm 23 gives us this great understanding of God. Verse one says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Again, most likely we're not sheep farmers in this room. But what did this mean for the people of this time? that the shepherds were with the sheep. They were always caring for the sheep. They were tending to the sheep. They were feeding the sheep. They were protecting the sheep. Sometimes a sheep would get free and and would run away from the shepherd and the the shepherd would take the rod and the staff and they would lead the sheep back to the fold to care for and to correct the sheep. Do you like to be corrected by the great shepherd? That's part of having a great shepherd. Verse two, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul, something that's taking place on the inside of me. And again, this is a familiar theme that we've talked about from the Christmas story, this proclamation of joy. Where is the joy? Well, it's found in our heart from our relationship with God. Not necessarily from the happenings of the world in our lives and where we're gonna experience the Prince of Peace. Well, he's gonna give us peace in our heart. And then the fact that God is with us as the great shepherd, what does he do? He restores my soul. So God is with us from the inside. So he's helping us from our heart, from the soul of who we are, from the center of who we are, strengthening us on the inside, giving us joy and peace on the inside so that we can live and face life as it is. All of the temptations, all of the same things that Jesus faced. And we know that this is true. Jesus had this relationship with God, this 
constant relationship with God that was strengthening to live an overcoming life. Verse four, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So God's correction should actually comfort us. The, the type of love that corrects us is true love. Are you here this morning? The, the type of love that actually cares about our future and says, hey, if you're going down this road, this is the wrong road. The road of Sid is the wrong road. And this understanding of the love of God, it gives us a full understanding of God's love. You know, when we think about, again, again unconditional love that we would give to someone and the, the love of a parent towards a child, the love of a parent towards a child is this unconditional love. That, and, I, and I would say this, and all parents would know that this is true, that you feel an overwhelming sense of love for your children. That doesn't mean they don't, don't frustrate you. But you care for them and you want the best for them. And so one of the things that you do for them is you correct them, right? Are you here this morning? Love includes correction. So you're, you're teaching your children and you're raising up your children. And the same is true with us, that we're not too old to be corrected by God the Father. And he loves us so much that he actually wants us to get on the right road, to get on the right path. If we are going down the wrong road, he loves us to say, hey, get back on the right road. This road is the road to blessing. That road leads to death. And he loves us so much to do that. And so what is, our, what is our conception of God? Is God distant? Is God far away? This would be a theological position called deism, which means God just created the world and he left. And he's not necessarily interacting with human beings. He just, you know, he used his powers, created the world, created the universe, and he is no longer present. But the scripture gives us a totally different narrative of God that he is actually here with us. Or is the type of God that we think about that he's angry all of the time. <clears throat> you know, as I'm mentioning love, that, that love corrects us and love cares for us. But a different type of anger, some people have this conception of God that God is angry and then therefore he's trying to hurt me. This is not a biblical understanding of who God is. As we look at the life and ministry of Jesus, we have this great revelation, this great understanding of who he is. And then in the life and ministry of Jesus, Jesus didn't go around hurting people. Jesus didn't go around being at intersection, intersections and causing chariot accidents, accidents to happen. He wasn't hurting people to then therefore heal them. So we think maybe God is angry and he's hurting people all of the time. And then the other thing that our conception of God is that God is here, but he's not doing the things that I think he should do. Would, would anybody like to admit to that sometimes? Like if God is God, why, why can't he just go like stop the war in the Middle East? If God is God, why, why can't he just go to, to Russia and stop the army so there's no more invasions. Like if God is God, why doesn't he just do the thing that I think he should do? Well, let me ask you a question about your own life. When you're about to eat the thing that you know is unhealthy, forget about that, Pastor Brent. That's not a big deal. 
I, wars, these are a big, wars are the problem in the earth. Other people are the problem in the earth. Are you wanting God to intervene in that moment and to grab your hand and to prevent you from sinning this Christmas time? <laughs> when you're overindulging in things that you know are gonna hurt your body. No, no, forget that. We don't want God to intervene there. We just want God to intervene in these other things, right? And so what do we know from that understanding? What do we know from that thinking? Well, uh, we actually have a will, as do all men, that under the sovereignty of God, God has given us a will, and some men, some people, as we know, will choose to do the wrong thing. Because we do the wrong thing sometimes, right? So we already understand. We already know why the things they are the way they are. But all of that doesn't negate the fact that God is present. It helps us to understand the world. And again, this idea that God is doing something in the hearts of men. And God is wanting to do something in the hearts of all men, all women. To change our hearts, to renew our hearts, so that we would yield to the ways of God. So what do we understand about God? That God comes down over and over again in the scriptures, not far away. He is actually close by. He comes down in the garden. He comes down in all of these situations that we see throughout the scripture. And just like we would understand, sometimes people say yes to God and other times people don't. This is the story of humanity. People yielding to the goodness of God or not. And when men and women don't yield to the goodness of God, the ways of God, there's sin, there's discretion, there's pain, there's difficulty. And so when God is coming down in our lives, we can't control those situations. Can I get an amen? We can't control all the situations of the world, but we do have the ability for ourselves to yield to a God who is here, who is in me, who is Emmanuel, God with us. So he comes down, he identifies with us. He's active with his compassion. He is with us. He's with us on the mountaintop. He's with us in the valley. Psalm 46 verse one says this, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help. Everybody say help. Help in trouble. So what does God do? God helps us. God is not the doer of the things that you and I are called to do. He helps us. This is a great understanding of God. God is not a controller. God is not a coercer. God is not forcing people to do things. God is present and he helps. Have we always yielded to the help of God? The answer is no, but he is always present to help. He's always there. He is Emmanuel. God with us. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its water, waters roar and foam, through the mountains tremble at its swelling Salah. Now, what does that mean? Salah just means stop and think about that. That regardless of what's going on, God is present to help. The question is, will we access the help of Emmanuel, God with us? 
God, I need your help in this moment. God's not gonna do the thing for you, but God will help you to do it. This is a great understanding of who God is. God is not a controller of all things. He is a helper. He is there. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when the morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord host is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress, Selah. Stop and think about that. God is with us regardless of what the kingdoms of the world do. God is with us. He is present. So God is always with us to help. Do you ever need help? Do you ever need help? This is true, man. We all need help all of the time. What's the good news? Jesus came. What's his name? Emmanuel. What does it mean? God with us. In the big moments, in the small moments. See, sometimes we disregard God in the small moments. We think, I got this. I, I, I got this. I'm, I'm good. I can figure it out. No, but God is with us and he wants to help in every situation. And the second thing is God is with us for a reason. He's with us to be our helper, but then he gives us these invitations when he shows up. And we could read about one here in Exodus chapter three, one specific time that, that God came down to deliver the children of Israel and he had this great interaction with Moses with the burning bush. Let's read about it here in Exodus three, verse one. It says, now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian, and led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire in the midst of a bush. He looked and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. He gave his attention to the things of God. God is with us. The question is, will we give our attention to the things of God? Will we give our attention to the help God offers us? Because here God is showing up. God shows up in our lives. Moses gave attention to the things of God. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, here am I. And he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off of your feet for the place in which you are standing is holy ground. And he said to him, I am the God, your father of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob and Moses. And, and he hid his face and he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord God said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmaster. I know their sufferings. So here is God's awareness of the difficulties that people face. So God, why don't you just do something about it? You do something, God. Well, let's keep reading and see what God does. I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Great, get to it. It's been a while. Again, this is what we think. God, go do something to bring them up out of the land to a broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to a place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hittites and the Jebusites. 
And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me. I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Verse 10, what are these words? Come, I will send you. <laughs> no, 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 God, you, you, you don't need me, you're God. You go deliver them. <coughs> now, I've seen all of these things. God, I'm just gonna opt out. You go fix it, you are God. Come, I will send you. Here's the big question for all of us in the room today. When God shows up in our lives to bring help to us, he's also wanting to bring help to somebody else through us. This is the invitation of God with us that he is a very present help. But then there's other people we know that are going through it that are having a difficult time, that are struggling, that are depressed, that are oppressed, that are sad. God, can you go do something about this? Um, Come, I will send you. To Pharaoh, that you may bring out my people, the children of Israel. Moses said to God, who am I? And the excuses start. Have we ever made excuses? God asked us to do stuff. We're like, God, just send somebody else. I'm not qualified. Send Pastor Brent. (laughs) Send somebody else. Send one of these famous Christians that you have to do something. And so Moses is trying to opt out of the help that God is trying to bring to others through him. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and, and, and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? But he said... I will be with you. But you and I have to do the doing. Are you here this morning? I'm wanting a big amen here in a second. You and I have to do the doing. We are the doing people. God is the helper. What is it that God is asking me to do? What are the things that I'm seeing that need to be done that I can do. Well, God is gonna help me to do those things. God is going to empower me. God with us. But he said, I will be with you. And this shall be a sign for you that I have sent you, that I brought the people out of Egypt. You shall serve God on this mountain. Mark chapter three, verse 13, Jesus with his disciples. And he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him. This is the disciples, this is the apostles. And he appointed the 12, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach. There's a both hand here. There's a a be with, he's he's gonna be with us. Thank God. Aren't you thankful for that? That he is a very present help in time of trouble because we need help. But God has a purpose in all of the things that he's doing for you. He has a purpose for you to experience his joy and his peace and his be withness. There's a reason for all of it. It's not just for you and I to just take it all in and it's just for me. 
There, there, there's a call that goes out that, that Jesus gave to his disciples. He said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Everybody that Jesus invites into salvation, he also invites them into mission. God wants to bless you to make you a blessing. God, look at this situation. God, look at this situation. God, look at this situation. Here, I'm gonna help you. You go. Jesus said to his apostles, I, I want you to be with me so that you can go preach. You, you can go tell people about the good news. What is the good news? What is the thing that we're celebrating? That God sent his son so that we could experience salvation, that we could have this relationship with God. And finally, this 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 8. In, in the Corinthian church, they were having this dispute, some like Paul, some like Apollos. And they were, he baptized me, and no, I like him, and no, I like this. And this is what, what the scripture says here in, in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 8. He who plants and he who waters are one. And each will receive his wages according to his labors. But we, and that means all of us, all followers of Jesus, we are God's fellow workers. We are co-laborers with God. Who is one of our work colleagues in the kingdom of God? God himself. And what is he doing? He's helping you and me to do kingdom business. There's lots of kingdom business to be done, right, every day? Isn't there lots of kingdom business to be done in your home? I mean, we could just stop there and just talk about creating a loving environment for children to grow up in. How important is that? Does anybody think that that's an important thing? God will help you to do that. Help you to be a good wife, help you to be a good husband, help you to be a good parent. So that we can train up our children in God's kingdom ways. That's a lot of work. Can I get an amen from any parents in the room? It's like, let's, we need to have kids. It'll be so easy. <laughs> All of you young married couples in the room, you still need to have children. And the soon-to-be married couples, you need to have children. It's going to help you grow up. It will help you be discipled. You don't realize how selfish you are in this moment. And then when you have a child, you're like, oh, I am the worst. can't believe how selfish I was. But I mean, we could take that. And what about our relationships? What about our job? God sees all of the situations in all of those places and he's sending you and he's sending me. He is our co-worker in the kingdom of God. You are God's field. You are God's building. He is planting seeds in you. He is building the church through you. These are things that we are doing with God because he is with us. Let's pray today. God, we love you so much. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, for your love in our lives, that you are a constant presence, that you never leave us or forsake us. 
even amidst the most difficult times, that you are always with us, empowering us by your spirit, helping us to go through the season we are in. God, we are so grateful for that, that you have never left us alone, that you never leave us or forsake us. God, and for this next season, for this next week, the busyness that we have in our homes and our lives, God, we know that you are with us every step of the way, that you are helping us to do all of the things that we need to do, God, and we are your kingdom carriers. That we are at work in your kingdom for your kingdom. That you are sowing something in us for a purpose, for a reason. That you are building something through us. We thank you, Lord, for your help. That it's constant and it's there and it's strong and it's real. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Hey, if you are here this morning before we leave today, and you have never made Jesus the Lord of your life, this is the story again of Christmas that we, that we all need a savior. We, we can't save ourselves. None of us are perfectly moral. None of us could ever create some sort of religion and offer that to God. No, God has come down in Christ and made a way for us to have a relationship with God. So if you've never done that today, I'm gonna pray a prayer. I invite you to pray along with me to make Jesus the Lord of your life. It's just a starting point in your relationship with God. Or maybe you're here this morning and you used to be close to God and you kind of find yourself distancing. You know, God is not mad at you today. God is inviting you close to himself again. You pray along with me as well. So church, let's all bow our head and close our eyes. And let's pray this out loud, praying with somebody who might be praying it for the first time or someone rededicating their life to Christ. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he lived a sinless life. He died on the cross and you raised him from the dead so I could know you. So I say yes to that relationship today. I say yes to your righteousness. God, I call you my Father. Jesus, I call you my Lord. God, I purpose to follow after your ways. And I turn from my own. I thank you for salvation today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate with those who made that decision for the first time. We are so excited for you. If that was you, if you made a decision to follow Jesus or you rededicated your life to him this morning, we are celebrating with you. Take a moment to fill out the Connect card in the seat pocket in front of you and turn that into our info desk right there in the lobby. Uh, Our team is gonna give you some resources for your new journey of faith, but we truly believe it is the best decision you have ever made. I'm just gonna recap some announcements before I dismiss you. I know the kitties were here on stage. They were distracting us from those announcements that uh, Isabel shared with us earlier. We want to remind you, next Sunday is Christmas Eve, okay? We are there already. Do not come here for 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. I mean, you can. You'll be very early for our services, okay? Next week, we have a candlelight, family-friendly service. Service times are at 3, 4, 30, and 6. Make sure you grab one of those pink cards on the way out to get all of our service times uh, for next Sunday, all right? 
Um, amazing. We want to let you know that there are candy canes in the lobby made by some of our senior friends uh, came throughout the week and they were like little elves working in the workshop, getting all of our candy canes ready. So make sure you grab one of those. And as well, you sang so well this morning. We decided to put karaoke in the lobby, all right? So there's going to be some Christmas carol karaoke happening in the lobby. Don't be shy. Come out and sing with us. It's going to be fun. All right, I'll invite you to stand as we get ready to go. If you came to church this morning, hoping for someone to pray with you or for you, some of our leaders, they're making their way down at the front of the stage right now. Be more than happy to pray with you. All right, City Church, we love you so much. We will see you next Sunday at those service times for Christmas Eve. We love you. Have a great week. You are dismissed.